Welcome to Vegas. It's unbelievable. Oh! This thing is beyond belief. You know what I mean? The friggin' balls are too round. This is not my cock. I know my cock. I know every inch. The cock everybody sucked on and fucked on and did all kinds of shit on. Little world, man. Who the fuck is my dick? The adventures of Ford. Uh, hello? Uh, hello! Bob, how you doing? I'm, uh, I gotta say, I'm pretty excited for this week. What about you? Uh, Hayes, I'm jazzed, man. I got a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I went and I rewatched episode three again. I've been promoting the analysis all over the dice page, all over the photos of Brody, and <laughs> I've been, I've been reading the fanfare following my post following the post uh on dice and people are loving the show and it's getting me back it's getting it's getting my energy back i don't i don't feel as cynical this week um people are saying that they're crying so hard that they're because they're laughing so hard they're crying um dice is back man yeah the actual show not not this but yeah i, I oh yeah <laughs> maybe this uh, too <laughs> yeah um all right are you ready to start the show Oh shit! I thought that was the start of the show. Uh, well, no, that's a little banter intro we're trying. Oh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, <laughs> uh, this is Matt and Bob, and this is the analysis. Okay. We still haven't hit that yet. Yeah, I know. We well, we're, we're working on it. Anyway, uh, bringing back to the program for the third time, uh, resident dice expert, uh, and um. Yeah, uh, just to help us unpack this high art uh, that is Dice on Showtime. He's currently wearing two headphones. Greg Rot. <laughs> hey, Greg true. Filth. Hello. Hello, Bob. Uh, thanks for coming back on, Greg. Um, now, I want to start with Bob here because, as I was saying, pretty excited about the show. I'm going to jump right out and say that this is far and away the strongest episode so far, in my opinion. Uh, what was your analysis? analysis um again uh I, to, to bring a little back what we said last week this is the most vegasy of them um outside of the casino episode obviously but it's uh it i i did i did like this one um a, a good amount uh obviously the wayne newton bit which i'm sure we'll get to soon um got a huge smile and laugh on out of me, but uh, yeah, I actually thought it was pretty solid. Um, a, B, and C story. So uh, yeah, I was into it. How about you guys? Yeah, uh, Greg. Without uh, you know, we can get to some details. We'll break it down. But what were your initial reactions? I was laughing pretty hard. This was a. Uh, <laughs> this is again going down that path of boy, Dice really is an out of touch moron. <laughs> they they really <laughs> drilled that theme home this episode with the uh, <laughs> the, the TV commercial, the uh, him on God. stage at the end. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty good. Do you want the uh, do you want the episode description? Let's yeah, yeah. Uh, let, let's do that. Uh, so we're talking Dice here, episode three, titled Prestige, uh, airs tonight on Showtime. And as we've said, all episodes are currently available on Showtime anytime. Um, yeah, let's hear the, the description of the, the, the episode. Dice gets upset when a plaster mold of his penis goes missing from an art show. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> after Dice accidentally dings Chris Angel's Lamborghini, the, quote, mind freak, unquote, sets out to use his magic against him. 
Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, that says it all right prestige. there. Hence the yeah, prestige. Hence the prestige. Like that's the famed the Chris Nolan movie. Yeah, it uh, borrows heavily from the Christopher Nolan movie. Um, yeah, let's yeah let, let's break it down because it's a pretty pretty concise uh, consensus or uh, or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, so it starts off with our our, our dynamic duo, um, our Laurel and Hardy dice and shake. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be fair, what what one of the strongest Cole opens of the show so far? Where uh, <laughs> he's talking about. Um, was it Cynthia Plastercast has this new yeah, show? Plasticasty she, is what Plasticasty, I thought. Plasticasty, yeah. <laughs> this ain't no poker game shake. This is a real event. Uh, this woman has uh, became famous for taking plaster molds of famous people's dicks and is now displaying them in an open forum. Uh, I think Dice says uh, at one point she's had her stuff in museums. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to jump in because I, I thought this was a ludicrous bit, but this is real. Did you know this? I did not. Please go on. I'm I'm on the website, CynthiaPlasterCaster.com. She's got an entire serial number cataloged list of all the dicks that she's attempted. She's even She even puts a serial number down for a dick she's attempted to plaster cast, but it failed and broke in the process or something. <laughs> Uh, um, not just dicks, erections. It's not just dicks and erections. She does girls too. Oh, I think okay. I saw. Actually, I think I saw Katy Perry had done that with her with her boobs. Uh, well, the, oh, I thought that was for charity, but uh, don't quote it's all, me. It's all for charity. But here's the thing: oh, okay. Dice isn't on this list. You've got because they talk about Jimi Hendrix. He's number zero 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 four. Successful. Yeah, his look gr- his looked great. By the way, his looked great. Uh, Harvey Mandel, a guitarist, apparently. You got, uh, Mary Biker from Gay Bikers on Acid. It was done in 88. She's a, she's had a 40-year career, by the way. She started in the 60s. She's been prolific. Up to, uh, yeah. Ariel Pink. I listened to Ariel Pink. That was, uh, on 21906. That's uh, amazing. Smutty Stiff. Smutty Smith. <laughs> she tried in, uh, she tried in 80 and that broke. And then Girls, uh, she's got, uh... Monica Boo Boo, a violinist, and uh, Janie a Terry, violinist. a violinist, and somebody named Peaches. She's number twelve. Oh, but anyway, Peaches, I thought yeah. I thought this was a a super stupid bit, but it turned out it to be real. So, I, if anything, I, I hope I, he's got one. I thought it was just going to be the opening, but the fact that it became the through line of the entire episode, where they didn't have it on display, the guy Sando, who's kind of like the gatekeeper of the cocks, <laughs> couldn't find it. It was mislabeled. Like the whole episode, we keep coming back to like, "Where's my dick?" He's <laughs> yeah. I, it's the I, B, it, I, I would consider it the B plot because um, Angel takes over pretty pretty early and. I guess yeah. I I, I guess I considered Angel the B just because of the screen time of him looking for this. Plaster mold. Well, I, I, I honestly thought it was just gonna be the beginning, and then the payoff at the end. I was laugh. I had me rolling. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, uh, so yeah, Dice so- is saying that this this mold of him is from '89 when his cock was was glorious. Was it? Uh, it would light li- would light up a room, as Dice says. Yeah, I I I have the quote right here actually, and I think I'll play it in post. It's the really cool one with the special rim, and it's got a little, you know, it's got the knuckle bump on the side with the flab underneath. <laughs> with the flab on the side, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> just he. I think he makes about four or five descriptions of how great his dick used to be and how he wants Carmen to see it and like, is you know this is the dick everyone's fucked on and sucked on. <laughs> <laughs> and done like shit all over. It's prime. It's unbelievable. You should see it when it was at its biggest. It could light up the room. The dick you want to hang out with. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's like five <laughs> scenes where he's talking about it. God, my favorite part of that whole thing was when the museum cur- curator or whatever is going through these crates of penises. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. hey, Dice, Dice, I think I found yours. Oh, great. I'll come check it out. I'll be there tomorrow. Like, he cancels his plans just to go see this <laughs> ceramic cock. And he gets it. He opens it up. He's like, "This, this isn't my cock. This, this isn't. Well, it doesn't. Where's the veins? Where's the head with the well, mushroom? What, what, what is? What is also great? He shows up absurdly late for no reason. He's like, yeah, that's there, a bit. Be there that. at two, and he gets there with shake, and they're like, hey, where you been? I've got stuff to do too. Uh, we're here. Like, why was that necessary to be late? Well, I- <laughs> hey, as you'll find out in episode four, because mm. Dice's punctuation is." Uh, comes into play now, uh, punctuation th- so he doesn't end his sentences uh, I, I I thought yeah, I thought you were I thought you were gonna say that we have uh, an episode within a previous episode which would be kind of uh, an interesting uh, inception sort of theme but I don't I think don't think that's where you're going anyway let's no. let's get let's get to the biggest bombshell of the episode <laughs> far and away my favorite line uh, the introduction <laughs> of <laughs> Wayne I, already know, I already know what you're gonna say. I know what it is. <laughs> the the introduction of Wayne Newton, who looks awful. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he look you know you remember Rocco's modern life, those like toads that live next to Rocco. The big heads. Like the, the big, big heads. heads with a stretched out. Ed and face. Beverly Big Head. <laughs> oh Rocco. Rocco. Oh Ed. Shut oh, up, Ed. Rocco. Come here, Rocco. Yeah, uh, he can barely move any aspect of his face. His lips don't part. It's like he's animatronic. Like his his (laughs) mouth is he's like a small mouth bass. It's like yeah, (laughs) it's it was so great. So then we we have the introduction of Wayne Newton, who immediately tells the story of how Dice fucked him over so he could appear in the Adventures of Ford. Fuck face. <laughs> yes. Yes. The moment we've been waiting I know. for. The f- finally, a Ford Fairlane call out. And it's so Wayne Newton played Julie Grundle, Ford's nemesis in the movie. And I guess he got passed up by some uh, the concierge role in, um, what was it Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman, um, yeah. Yeah. And apparently Dice went behind his back to give the part to someone or say that someone else is right for the part. And then, so he lost it in order for him to do Fort Fairlane. Uh, the moment we all been waiting for a Fort Fairlane call out. I thought it was so funny. It was fantastic. I love setting up Wayne Newton as a constant in Dice's life. This yeah. guy who's always going to be there fucking up his plans. A constant. Like when he, he- constant nemesis he essentially was julie grundle again yeah how how does dice have access to gary marshall it does not seem that they would ever cross paths but apparently uh dice is is so deep with him that he'll listen to casting advice yeah yeah exactly 
Uh, but but this was kind of plays to the bigger point, which is why I like the episode so much. I, it, it was a lot of fun because it's like I think the show needs to, it. Kind of found its uh, rhythm where it's yeah. it's got dice it within the the world of Vegas. And it's kind of behind the scenes, like a more like an entourage style. But you know he's he's hobnobbing with you know the other washed up celebrities, but also you know you know successful popular uh, acts like. Chris Angel, the mind freak, and I think well, it was I, like just- I love that scene when he when he went with uh, when he went with that director, uh, the guy from Nathan for you that uh, that director guy because it's such a funny see, seeing that oh not Nathan for you from a review the um, like the producer guy yeah uh, yeah, yeah seeing seeing him not remember who Dice was or what the unbelievable thing was is sort of what they've been trying to get at this entire time that Dice is like completely washed up. Nobody gives a shit about his old acts, even though that's all he has. And it's like, they try to have the other guys say his catchphrase, and it doesn't... And then Dice is like, no, I want to say it, and nobody knows what it is. Like, that's yeah, so... Yeah, no, that makes no sense. Yeah, uh, I love that then... he called him out for crossing his hands. And what's yeah. with the hand cross? <laughs> the it doesn't make cross. any sense. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, it doesn't. I mean, just, again, <laughs> like him squeezing in the old material whenever he can. And I, I know you guys would have would picked up on this. I don't know anyone else did, but uh, when he's having that argument with Carmen about allowing her to get that job, uh, because as as I think he says, uh, you know, you're all gonna be over there. I'm over here. What, what if I what <laughs> if know, I need something? I'm over here now. I'm yeah. over here now, and you're over there. Like <laughs> this is the second time he's done an "I'm over here now" bit. He, I think he did it in the pilot. He's like, "Are you over here? I'm over here." Like he has something obsessed with him about the location of where somebody is in proximity to where everybody else is. To be fair, it was the name of one of his stand-up specials, and That's right. the <laughs> the overarching theme of that special is simply moving around on the stage. You know, see a professional. I'm a you know uh, an amateur. We fumble the mic stand. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you see, you I was over there now. Now I'm over here. You know, before I was over there, I'm over here. You didn't even notice. I'm over here now. You know. Yeah, and then you know he's he's he still tries to squeeze in the impressions. I think we get a Rocky impression in there. And- hey, yo, Adrian, I want to take care of you. You know what I mean? And then yeah, when it, he's done an impression in every single episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then when he finally has to reshoot the commercial, he does a uh, an Elvis impression at the top. <laughs> Welcome to Vegas. It's unbelievable. Cut. <laughs> oh, that's what that was? I didn't, I was like, what's with the voice? I didn't, it was such a bad impression, I guess, that I, I didn't even catch it. Welcome to Vegas. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, what, I guess the climax of the show, which is what what I like so much. So he goes to the, he's invited to Chris Angel's performance as a makeup for dinging his car. And then I, I'm pretty sure that must have been filmed at an actual performance of Chris Angel's, right? So that's what oh, yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, yeah that's to have all those extras cool. in the audience like that that must have been hey if you come see the Chris Angel show stick around afterwards you'll be on TV that's Well it, it's like how they get Will Ferrell into like you know the Lakers games and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you know you'll hear about him tossing a ball at some cheerleader and then oh it was you know for a movie Yeah um, that must have been and I think that's what the show needs to be where it's more like you know this hap- this it needs to be more of Vegas you know what I mean it's like the the editing and the directing I think is lacking. Yeah, I mean not to compare it to True Detective two, which uh, all of us hated. But you know they had like the flyover shots in an excessive degree. But like or yeah. like something something like I mean the only other Showtime show I've seen Californication that just had so much more style and it you you know you got like the the washed out images. It was very Malibu and it was very L A. Like 
the show doesn't really offer any sort of you know sense of place or 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 style you know it's it's not a very stylized show and for showtime it feels kind of i think we've talked about this before like it doesn't feel like a showtime show there it's not as vulgar as it could be it's not as kind of it, flashy and stylish but again to to not to get too deep in episode four because that's coming next week, but they they give you a little more of that next week too. I honestly think the show is finding its traction. I really believe it, and I'm excited. I you know it's the show we've all been waiting for. We've been waiting for years for a dice thing, and uh, I don't. And, know, I and now I... he's a has being wash up, and it's a little sad, but at the same time, it it's still fun. Except the first two episodes were so stupid and silly that I mean, this one I would give like maybe a solid. B, I, th- I actually thought it was well paced, and and God, the the end actually was so funny. Uh, if you guys are ready, <laughs> we're like, uh, Bob, you want to break that down? The ending of the Chris Angel bit. Well, I no, I guess. Well, oh yeah. Let, well, let's let's not jump too far ahead. So uh, real quick, we've got like, uh, he gets hypnotized essentially, which I thought was a really funny part. Yeah, so they bring Carmen and Dice up on stage as part of the act. So Dice gets free tickets to see Chris Angel. At the end of the show, he throws a T-shirt out, and it happens. Dice happens to catch it. And so the spotlight comes on Dice, and he's like, Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Dice Clay! Because apparently that's Chris Angel's stage voice. But um, he invites Dice up on stage, and he says he's going to make Carmen disappear. And right before they do the disappearing bit, he flicks Dice on the face, and um, mind freaks him. Yeah, and it's, it immediately enters like almost like a Twin Peaks sort of scene <laughs> where he's ah, nice reference. wandering through the curtains and sees these performers and you know chicks in on bikes and in, in in glass cages and and then Chris Angel with a bunch of girls in a dressing room and then and then uh, Wayne Newton comes back and shows him, hey, I found your dick. It's an empty box. <laughs> It's an empty box. (laughs) And then Rita Rudner does some splits. And then all of a sudden he's doing the splits and we come back to reality. And it's Dice looking like a, you know, a mentally challenged moron uh, trying to do the splits on stage, which was actually pretty funny. Yeah, and it brings the story full circle because when Dice is shooting the commercial, he's already upset because he's got to work with a comedian because in the hierarchy of um, <laughs> of Vegas, it goes crooners, then comedians, then puppets, and then everything else, and then way underneath at the bottom are the magicians. And yeah. so at the end, Dice now believes in magic. Um, exactly, so which we all saw coming in. And then I, I like Chris Angel's burn. We, I mean, he kind of gets two in there, one in, uh, you know, um, the hallucination and the one in reality where he goes, uh, you know, Dice, I took your advice. I started working with animals. <laughs> and uh, Dice is the animal. Yeah. Applause, mic drop. Um, uh, I do, I will say this. It was nice because in the other ones, like the first one, the casino episode where they spend every... 20 lines they're talking about this atm fee it's like okay we get it this the thing with the lamborghini was kind of like that like it caught caused the rest of the episode to happen but it wasn't some big deal they kept harping on it was like all right well he got his revenge because of the lamborghini thing which was perfect like it, it was that kind yeah, of curb your enthusiasm like you idiot you did something and now you're getting the comeuppance for it but it wasn't drilled into our heads and like it was so surprising i was caught off guard that it was like some hallucination that was super funny 
yeah, um, yeah. The yeah. fact that the fact that I was caught off guard was a yeah. nice. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a pleasant surprise. Um, and also, and also, yeah, the, I, the the whole episode revolving around essentially like ripping off and pissing off a magician and getting a plaster version of your cock is exactly what I want out of a dice show. We are like it's it's the perfect yeah, subject that, matter. That, that's, the, that's the yeah. that's that's the premise I've been waiting for 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 three episodes. Not about trying to get an ATM fee. Reverse. No, you no, know, it's, it's it's about looking for its eight the the plaster cast of his epic cock from '89 when he was at the top of the world and it was at its biggest. And yeah, I think that was great. And then okay, so at the end of the episode, milkshake shows up. He's found it. <laughs> This the this guy's entrances are so absurd that it's completely useless character. But uh, anyway, uh, so he leaves it with him, and then we get this hilarious Pulp Fiction briefcase open yep. where it's just the, <laughs> and like yeah, the golden never, light. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually I thought we would get to see it, which is kind of why I was excited about the initial scene. Like, oh yeah, I, I'd be interested to see what they imagine his plaster dick to look like when we didn't get that and then the whole episode becomes this hunt and then at the end it's just this you know it, just like Pulp Fiction and it was <laughs> I, was, I thought this is a perfect way to go yeah, yeah again I was yeah. I was hoping to see it but it's way more effective if you if you get the the golden light and you're like ah funny I guess the one thing I, I will say about it is that the wife becoming a realtor thing just felt like they needed an extra three minutes of material like they had the running time they're like oh boy what are we gonna add in here you know and then the whole bit is him being that asshole that he says says he's not the entire time like no it's just my character you know i'm somebody else now he's like what you're gonna get a job like i I don't provide for you like that kind of thing yeah that scene comes out of nowhere and it's like him and carmen these arguments they squeeze in every episode it's like okay gosh i mean uh what remind me her name again um the girlfriend, the uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Natasha oh, I said Legaro. wife, yeah, Carmen, yeah, 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 Na- yeah. Natasha Legaro. She, I mean, she's doing an an amiable job, but they they don't give her much to work with. No, they don't. Uh, but anyway, I, I, overall, I was um, pleasantly surprised. I, I would give it, you know, a solid B, considering the first two episodes were like D minus. You know, I'm gonna give it a B. Yeah, I'll give it yeah. a B too. I was I was afraid those first two that it wasn't gonna find its footing, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. Agreed. Uh, all right, well that wraps up episode three of Prestige, uh, airing tonight on Showtime, as we've said before. Now uh, let's move on to a, a new segment I want to introduce on the analysis. Uh, Greg Ott, um, you you travel around uh, the country doing Second City Tourco, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, all right, so this this new segment we're gonna call "Tales from the Tour," or as I like to call, <laughs> as I like to call, "Dick Rot and His Filth Cock Go on Location." Um, well, we'll choose Jesus which one we like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, where were you this time, Greg? Do you have any stories? I was in uh, I was in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, we did a show at the Valentine Theater, and um, it was down the street from the Hollywood Casino. Where all the oh, stars, that right? that's right, all the stars of uh, Marilyn Monroe was on the wall, everybody. I uh, I went in with, uh, with, what, 50 bucks, and I, I, Dice Episode 1, he made all his money on roulette, so I found a, I found a hot table, put 50 on uh, put fifty on even, and it came up even, and I kept doing that. Yeah, how'd you do? 100 bucks. 
Hey. <laughs> oh, hey, doubles your money. What wedding were you going to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you exactly. had to get a $100 gift for a, a gay wedding you were attending? Yeah, just a wedding. Yeah, All right, that's well, that's only 100 uh, days. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go to a gay wedding, it's 2000. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's this week's tales from the tour. Um, let's move on to, uh, Bob, you want to take over the next? Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple things. Um, I think Matt, you may have as well. Uh, we were talking a little bit about, um, movie that's in theaters called everybody wants some exclamation point, exclamation point, uh, Directed by Richard Linklater, who recently did Boyhood, as everyone knows. He did the Before Sunset, Before Sunrise, Before Midnight uh, trilogy. He's a um, uh, naturalist or realistic director. Um, and uh, this one is kind of a uh, a follow-up, a sequel to um, another one of his very popular movies, Dazed and Confused. Um, but it doesn't have any of the same characters, any of the same premise, but um, it's people on the first weekend of college um, in the 80s instead of the last weekend of high school in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. And so the um, critics' consensus on this was uh, nostalgic in the best sense. Everybody wants some, exclamation point, exclamation point, finds Richard Linklater ambling through the past with a talented cast, a sweetly meandering story, and a killer classic rock soundtrack. So, Matt, would you, seeing the movie, would you say you agree with that, or what were your opinions of the film? Yeah, totally. I mean, the the you got to nail the soundtrack on a 80s movie. Um, you know, I mean, just look at Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, every the, the soundtrack for that just kind of elevated it, I thought. Yeah, and this was a lot of fun. It was cool, like a lot of unknowns. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, just guys, you know, in their late 20s playing <clears throat> college guys, but, you know, no one's going to care about that. The Blake Jenner kind of came, came coming out of nowhere. I actually thought he was related to, you know. Uh, Jason London. Or yeah, is it exactly. Jeremy or Jason? I think it's Jason London was in Days and Confused. Um, Jeremy is his, like, loser brother that did daytime television. Um, yeah. But, I mean, at times it's pretty cringeworthy, you know, because this is what is, like, first – movie but at the same time it kind of plays into like this the awkward freshman and yeah uh, well yeah and, and to kind of go more into it it's about uh uh the the main character is a pitcher on a college baseball team and so it's your it's him moving into the the baseball house um and it's them all getting to know each other and basically this is a sports movie that the main scene or the the it, instead of all the drama happening on a big game or a big last game it happens in practice it's the first yeah practice there's one kind of there's like the one big... scene of sports happening uh and yeah which i i guess i was waiting for more of that to happen i'm like and then it never did i'm like oh that's that's interesting because you know most movies would uh you know the rags to riches but you never see them play it's just like it's just the you know these guys becoming friends before school starts and you know trying to score as many chicks as possible and costume changes to disco night and then uh this go you know putting a hat on and going to like a a hoedown and then going to an actor's party and just yeah they go to like they go to a party with a bunch of theater queers (laughs) yeah i think i saw aj Penn in the background um yeah uh, yeah but it's these chameleons who are just out to get laid uh but then you know talking about pussy or or baseball that's pretty much it so there's not 
much to it, but it was a lot of fun. And it's a cool kind of summer, you know, like wet, hot American summer sort of a thing. I, I really like Linklater's movies. Um, yeah, I've always, I've always been, I haven't, I wouldn't say always because I've recently found his work within the last five years. A, a lot of those right. movies that I mentioned um, in the lead up to this, I've, I've watched in the last um, four or five years, but except for Days and Confused, we've all seen that. But I think the people that were um, Dazed and Confused fans are going to go watch this and enjoy it in the same way. Uh, and again, there's no, there's not a, not a ton of drama or um, not a ton happening in the scenes. Um, yeah. it's more about the it's more about the conversations and, and um yeah go ahead yeah no I was just I mean not to jump in yet but I mean there there's some funny stuff going on there's no like Matthew McConaughey epic career making you know memorable quote all right, or, all right all right yeah exactly I mean you're not getting that out of it but I just want to touch on real quick and we can wrap this up about kind of the uh the spiritual sequel becoming a, a new thing like because we have. We have the big franchise blockbusters, which I'm completely exhausted on. I I, I refuse Ugh. to go. Um, and but now we have like you know, Ten Cloverfield Lane came out. That was a spiritual sequel. It's like I think this could be the way to go to stretch out some ideas w- without necessarily creating a comic book character, which I think is kind of a interesting That's way interesting. to go. I actually just listened to Richard Linklater in an interview, and he was talking about how he was surprised and is surprised that his movies are still able to be made. And he has to con- continuously um, convince these executives to um, that there is a market and there is a, a sales strategy behind some of these movies because yeah um, yeah because again movie theaters are our movie companies are so afraid of their movies failing and you got to find where where it's commercial and so he's talking about even diving back into the television or the short the short series format, like um, A True Detective or like what they did with 1123, um, right. uh, 66, or the, the Franco project. But 112263, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think these, I think some of these directors that are finding a ceiling with, with cinema are going to go into the streaming or go into the short series where they can still tell these stories um, and they don't need to worry about how commercial they can be. Yeah, I mean, because... People think it's either like summer blockbusters, comic book movies, or art house foreign films, and like you know, there is a nice in between. It's it's something that's not necessarily going to have a sequel. It's you know, it's it's what it's what all the best movies used to be, and I, I think those are kind of going away and stuff like this is what I really you know like to go watch. Um, all right, anyway, so moving on. Um, just real quick, I know another movie new out on streaming. Uh, me and you both saw this on Amazon Prime. Is the end of the tour? Jason Segel awesome. and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, it's about uh, David Foster Wallace, the author of um, a lot of stuff, but his most his seminal work was um, Infinite Jest, um, which I've now bought, and it's a massive tomb. I attempt to. I'm going to attempt to try to read it at some point. Um, was a really cool movie. Another kind of one of the ones that maybe flew under the radar. I heard about it because I listened to a podcast with Jason Siegel talking about playing that character. Um, and yeah, this this guy from Rolling Stone, played by Jesse Eisenberg, follows him along on his the end of his book tour, and they kind of just in, intellectualize and talk about being a writer and the the uh, whole idea of perception and you know how how people perceive you and what it's like to be intelligent and blah blah blah. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot. It reminded me a little bit about um, a little bit of almost famous, 
where it's the it's the writer trying to tell a truthful story and then um, the uh, person, the celebrity being interviewed, just trying not to come off phony and trying to, you know, trying to. And so that relationship of, of a journalist to the person they're interviewing and and how they want to come out in the article. So that that kind of played a little bit. But again, it's a movie just about it's a movie that is people sitting down and having conversations. And um, I really thought Siegel was was mesmerizing in his performance. I thought he was fantastic. And yeah. I think this is the perfect thing for Eisenberg. And we don't need to go into Batman versus uh, Superman, but um, this is the perfect vehicle for Eisenberg. It's an intellectual character. It's a character with layers. Both of the guys had tons of tons of layers in their characters, and such I a really penis, enjoyed it. Though, <laughs> it, <laughs> yet this character always... needed to be a little penis. He's, he's yeah, I know. I mean, he's it's, a failed it's author himself. Yeah, and so he's you know he's he's kind of sitting there in the awe of this actual actually great writer. Um, he's a little jealous, but he's also you know enamored with his talent. Um, and I thought all that read really well. There there isn't a laugh in the entire movie, so if you're looking for a comedy because uh, Siegel's in it, don't don't go right. Um, but it's I thought it was uh, incredibly insightful, and I I yeah. want to read an Infinite Jest too. I just um. Seems yeah, like it, I mean, seems over like a thousand lifting. pages. Yeah, it, it is. But uh, so far, the introduction has been great. So, there we go. <laughs> All right, anyway, well, that wraps it up. Uh, Greg, where are you heading to next on uh, for Torco? Going to Salt Lake City, Utah for a couple of days. Salt Lake City, Utah. Can't wait to hear about what adventures you'll get up to there. I'm excited to figure it out, yeah. <laughs> Salt Lake City, <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for the analysis. Um, this podcast is made possible due to generous donations from Andrew Papa, our good friend. Uh, and hopefully we can get him on the show sometime. I apologize for not having time this week yet again. Uh, but anyway, for <laughs> Matt and Bob and our good friend Greg, thank you for coming on. Of course, my pleasure. All right, we'll see you next time on the analysis. Nailed it. Nailed it. You ready? Yeah. Go ahead. I said the king's in the building. Uh, 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 tell me 